Hi, Grace. Good to be with you this morning. As you can tell, I've been transported to a forest, a beautifully lit forest, which can only mean one thing, Advent. Uh, is that where, did you know I was going there? I don't know if you did. I don't even know if I knew I was going there. Uh, but as you can tell, we are, we are at the beginning of, of our Advent season, and we were wanting to, to really attend to the time, uh, to what God might have for us as we, as we begin this, this exploration and, and, and remembering of what God has done in the person of Jesus. So as we do that, would you please pray with me? God, you are the God who has come to us in the flesh to be with us. That as we think about the birth of your son, Jesus, as we think about the one who is Emmanuel, that we are confronted with who you truly are as the one who is committed wholly and completely to come to us to enter into our situation so that we might be redeemed, so that we might experience life, so that we might, we might see you for who you really are. So God, I ask that as we, as we turn the corner into this season of Advent, I ask that you, would, that you would call forth from us um, our, our honest hearts, our longings, our desires, so that we might bring those before you and that we might see that you, God, coming to us in Jesus, truly is, is, the, is the answer um, to, what, to what it is we, we want and what we need. And so in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is the first Sunday of Advent, um, and now this, this season of Advent, it's something that we at Grace, uh, we, are, we are always wanting to, to celebrate and pay attention to, um, because it's, it's really the beginning of, of the Christian year, and it's a time when, when we are pulled um, as, as God's people to consider um, a couple things. One, what God has done in the person of Jesus, that he has come to us, but also that there is still a second coming that will happen, that will take place. And we find ourselves in this, in this in-between, in this, and we use this language here at Grace, in the already, not yet. And now Advent is a really fascinating time because in the church calendar, and this, this season, we're actually going to be following um, the readings and the sermons will be following the various readings in the lectionary, which is what a whole host of churches use um, to help to help be pulled through the Christian calendar and to help tell time um, in terms of, of what it means that we are the church who tells time because of what God has done in Jesus. And so because we are doing that, we are beginning in this place uh, where the texts begin, which is actually before God's coming to us in Jesus. Now, as one preacher says, Fleming Rutledge, she says, Advent begins in the dark which is kind of an odd place to start because this is a time, this is a season where, where we are in a way discipled to, to look or to reject or to deny the dark, to deny what's difficult and, and to look toward that which is, which is um, optimistic or that's, that which is jolly or, 
or very, very um, upbeat. You don't want to turn your eye toward, toward those things that we would rather not consider. We, we really want is, is in some ways um, uh, to cope and to look beyond that. But see, the Christian story doesn't allow us to do that. It pulls us into the very heart of what it is we as humanity needs. And so if you were listening to the, the passage that was read from Isaiah, you might be thinking, why this passage? How does this connect to, to the story, to the season of Advent, to the season when we celebrate and acknowledge that God has come to us in Jesus? And what this passage in, in Isaiah is doing is wanting us to remember, as God's people have remembered, that time in between of who we know what God is and what God is capable of and and the time when, when all of that will come to, to a completion and to fruition, because our lives are lived in that in-between. And perhaps there is no other year where that has felt more true. There is no other year where it has felt more true that we live in this already and not yet. I mean, we live in, in, this, in this time when it just seems as if time will always be and things will always feel the way that they feel. When will all of this be over? And this, I don't know how you would fill in that word, this. When will all of this quarantine, when will all of this, this death, when will all of this fear, when will all of this division when, when, when will all of this injustice be done? And so the, the season of Advent and where we begin is a pulling into looking at the world honestly. Now this passage in Isaiah, what it does is it, is it shows us that Advent asks us to face our need. Advent asks us to face our need. And as I said, this year has taught us that we are people in great need, that we do not have the power. We do not have the power to do what it is we would like to do. We do not have the power to make the world the place we would like it to be. We are powerless in the face of an of a invisible virus. We are powerless in the face of, of institutions that seem to um, betray us. We are powerless in the face of, of these divisions that, that wreak havoc among us and among the church at large. It's, we have such deep and great need. And Advent, the beginning of Advent, asks us, to face that need. Because before we can rejoice and acknowledge what God has done in Jesus, we need to recognize that we need what God has done in Jesus and we need God to do it again. We need Christ to come again so that all things will be made new. And so Advent asks us that we face our need, that we face our need for God's presence. Isaiah 64 Verses 1 through 5. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries. So that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. 
From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. Now this, this idea in the first few chapter or first few verses of Isaiah 64, we are seeing this, this incredible testimony of the power of God's presence. And here is a people remembering in the face of when that presence was questioned, they are remembering that when God is present, things happen. Cosmic things happen. Things that make you awestruck happen. And so Advent pulls us into this place where we are faced with our need for God's presence. Because we know what's possible when God is present. And we need it again. We need that presence now. Because when God is present, things change. But Advent also asks us to face our need for God's mercy as this passage continues. Second half of five, but you were angry and we sinned because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and you've delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. And you're thinking right now, Daniel, guy, this is Christmas time. What are you doing? Well, I'm hoping the lights behind me somehow mitigate this tension and this discomfort this, this that we might feel. So like, why, yeah, why attend to this? Why attend to this? Because what, what the, the people of Israel here are naming, both they're, they're recognizing their need for God's presence, but they're also recognizing their need for God's mercy. Now they are, they are implicated in what's happening. The speaker here does not distance himself or herself from what is being said. We have all become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. It's this acknowledgement that without God, without God's mercy, we are lost. Without God's presence, without God's mercy, we are lost. Advent helps us to, to recognize our deep need for the mercy of God because we are implicated in whatever we see about the world and whatever ways we would like it to be different. We're part of the problem. And we need God to do what we cannot do. Finally, Advent asks that we, that we face our need for God's answer. We need God's presence, we need God's mercy, but we need God to answer. Verse 7, there is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider we are all your people. Now consider we are all your people. It's this incredible moment of, of, of this, 
the speaker saying, we need you to answer. We need you, God, to remember that we are your people. We need your presence. We need your mercy. But we also need your answer to our call. We need your answer to our remembering that you would remember what you've made possible. And so Advent asks us to take to, that we face our needs in this way. But we know this isn't the end of the story, this sense of, of, of like incredible discomfort, this sense of, of what's going on. But what I love about the story of Christianity, of where it begins, is that it does not turn its eye away from this. It, it, it allows these types of questions, these types of wonderings, these types of honest looking at what life is like, in particular during a time when we're supposed to deny or we're supposed to, to, to lessen the degree to which we feel things, but we cannot. This is, this is a time when we cannot. We need to be honest. We need to face these things. And the Christian story allows us to do that. It allows us to face our needs precisely because Advent asks that we take hold of hope. It doesn't leave us just in a place of need, but it says you can face your needs and see that God it coming to us in Jesus is the answer to those needs. And you can do that because there is hope. And why do we know there is hope? Why do we know there is hope in the in-between? Between what God has done and we know what he can do and when God will, will completely do what he's promised to do. In this time of uncertainty and discomfort and longing and our desires for that to be, how do we live? Hope. Only possible because of hope. And Advent asks that we take hold of that hope. See, it asks us to take a long, good look into the dark. But then we know it's possible to live within that darkness because God himself and the person of Jesus has entered into it with us. That's the Advent story. That's the Advent promise. Because the answer to these questions of perhaps why, what is all this suffering for, or or what do I do with my needs, my longings, my desires? The answer to that question God gives us is in a person. It's in the person named Jesus. And we know that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God is not a God who stands far off. God is not a God who is disinterested. God is not a God who is distant. God is with us in the darkness, in the in-between. Yes, he came then. Yes, he will come again. But he doesn't leave us to ourselves in the middle. He is with us because he has come to us in the person of Jesus. That is hope. So as we face our needs, we know that we have the hope that sustains our ability to live because God has come. And we know because he has come to us in Jesus, he will come again. We have hope that God has heard us. We have hope that God has heard our longings, our cries, even the ones we were too afraid to name. We have hope that God has come to us all the way into our suffering. We have hope that God will come again and make his home among us. Advent asks us to face our needs, but Advent also asks us to take hold of this hope. So as we enter into this Advent season, Here's what I'd love for you to consider 
And I'd love for you to actually take time to consider these things, to consider these questions. What do you most long for? Like, what are your deepest longings and desires? Like, what's at the core of what you want? Are you afraid to name what those might be? Are you afraid to let others in on what those might be? Are you afraid to bring those before God? But as we face our needs for God's presence and his mercy and his answer, and as we have the hope to be able to face these things and the living in the in-between, that is something that we have the power to do by the Spirit, to consider our deepest longings. And what do you most long for? Certainly we can all agree, we, we, we most long for this, for this virus to be stopped. We most long for people to, to stop dying from this virus, but also from all the other ways that we experience and are touched by this thing of death. We most long for our relationships to be whole and to be, to be healthy. We most long for, for ourselves to, to, be, to be honest about, about who we are. We most long for connection and for friendship and for community. We most long to, be, to find freedom from our, from our habits that are so self-destructive. We most long for, for, to see one another, not by the labels we place on each other, but by who they are in Christ, by who God has made them to be in his image. What do you most long for? Take the risk of discovering your desires. But also consider, consider how Christ might meet you in those longings and in those desires. Consider for a moment that at the, at whatever is at the core of your deepest deepest longings and desires, consider that Christ is the answer to what you most need and what you most want. And that might sound trite. That might sound like just something that a Christian pastor should say. But in this season, when we are exposed to so many of the things that we need, when we are exposed to so many of the things that we desire, it is hard to imagine that truly Christ, God come to us in the person of Jesus, is the most wonderful thing that has happened in history. And in his death and resurrection, we can experience life. It is hard, it is really hard to believe that that is true. But consider for a moment, and Advent asks us to consider this, that Christ truly is God's answer and God's yes to the world and to what we most need and what we most want. And then finally, consider the hope that God's presence offers. Now, for some of you, you're thinking, I haven't experienced God's presence in so long. Yeah, I know. I, am, I understand the already and the not yet. I know what God has done. I know he's going to come and he's going to make all things new. But honestly, right now, it's been so long. It's been so long since I've experienced the presence of God. And some of you are thinking, this is even before this year, before 2020. 
Well, maybe Advent isn't a moment. Maybe Advent is an opportunity. To let God know that. To bring others in on that longing. And to consider that God's presence isn't something that you're just supposed to think about. Isn't just something you're supposed to know about, but it's actually something you're supposed to encounter. Perhaps that's what this Advent is asking us to do and where we begin. is to desire so strongly God's presence, God's mercy, God's answer, and to be people who are able to live so deeply into the hope that God has made possible in Jesus. That it's something that that we experience. It's something that in our core we know to be true. I encourage you this Advent season to truly turn your attention onto the God who is so faithful that he's come to us in the person of Jesus, to be with us. No matter what. And that because God has come to us, he will come again. Because we need him to. Because being the faithful and redeeming God he is, he answers and he will make his presence known. He will show us mercy and grace. Thanks be to God.